Support for this podcast is provided by Smart Recruiters. Smart Recruiters offer an enterprise-grade talent acquisition suite designed for hiring success. Future-proof your talent acquisition with a modern enterprise platform with everything you need to attract, select and hire the best talent. Over 4,000 leading brands like Bosch, IKEA, LinkedIn and Visa trust Smart Recruiters to deliver hiring success with them on a global scale. Visit smartrecruiters.com to take the first step on the path to hiring success. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 308 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Talent acquisition has changed dramatically this year. And many employers are now finding that their TA tech stacks are not fit for purpose moving forward. However, in such an economically uncertain environment, unlocking the investment required to update technologies is a real challenge. So what can talent acquisition leaders do to build compelling business cases for investment to develop their technology strategies for the future? My guest this week is Tony DeGroff, Hiring Success Director EMEA at Smart Recruiters. As well as working on the technology vendor side of the industry, Tony has himself been a talent acquisition leader and has some very valuable insights to share on building internal business cases for recruiting technology investment. Hi, Tony, and welcome to the podcast. Hey, good day. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Ah, that's a great place to start. I uh, So hi, I'm Tony, Tony de Graaf. I um, work for Smart Recruiters. I'm the hiring success director for the EMEA region. Um, as you maybe can hear by my accent, I'm Dutch, uh, but I'm located in Berlin, moved for Smart Recruiters here. And as the name already says, Hiring Success Director, I help organizations become successful in recruitment in the broadest sense of the word. Um, that's what I do here. And always been a recruiter, um, started on the agency side, so almost classic uh, career track, and then some secondment, to, then to the corporate side, headed up recruitment for multiple fashion brands in Europe. And my latest job before moving to Smart Recruiters was head of talent for Vacom, one of the biggest e-commerce companies in uh, the Netherlands. And um, actually bought and implemented smart recruiters, used it for two years. Literally one thing led to another and uh, now I'm here. Fantastic. So you're the perfect person to, to ask this question to. So obviously, highly disruptive year, lots of unprecedented things happening all over the world. We're now sort of towards the end of October what are you seeing in the market right now? What are employers doing and thinking? Yeah, that's, um, that's a good question. And in terms of a disruptive year, I think uh, this is the most disruptive year in my career so far. So let's not uh, do a few more of these, I'd say, in that sense. But um, yeah, where, where everyone was a little bit more in shock in the beginning of the year, companies closing down, everyone going on furlough, um, I think in this situation, you do see that uh, organizations start to 
little bit better understand the situation of, of COVID and what, 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 what's next. People start to look forward again slowly, at least to see how we can navigate into 2021 the best way possible from a um, talent acquisition perspective, right? I really get the sense from the people that I'm talking to that that's, that's very much the stage that we're at now. The pandemic doesn't show any sign of ending, in, ending soon and people are adjusting to the new reality and sort of making their plans moving, making their plans moving forward. From the employers that you're talking to, what are they focusing on for, for 2021? What do those plans consist of? What, what's the, the conversations that you're having? I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting one to say it like that. I think for the first time, um, what I noticed talking to customers that maybe the priorities of the C-suite do not always align with the uh, priorities of the TA leadership. Uh, because before the crisis, it is we need to get the talent and just tell me what you need and let's go. Right? We didn't even have breathing room to uh, think too much about uh, uh, improving ourselves, etc. And now that you see that um, the TA suite wants to take this opportunity, we finally have this breathing room to uh, rethink what we're doing, revamp our processes, revamp our tech stack, uh, just become better with what we do, set ourselves up for success towards the future. And organizations, on the other hand, you see that the will to invest uh, um, of the C-suite and spend money on that is, 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 is lower, lower than it has ever been in talent acquisition over the last few years. So you see that that is... Um, discrepancy uh, that's happening right now and i think you highlight there this really difficult conundrum that that's out there in the in the, in the market as far as i can see this year recruiting talent acquisition has taken this massive digital leap forward has been forced to take this massive massive digital leap forward with remote hiring uh, remote interviewing remote onboarding and digital technologies sitting at the heart of the recruitment process in a way that they've they've never done before and for lots of organizations moving forward they don't necessarily have the right technology platforms in place for for the future so obviously that means that they're having to ask for investment to update the tech stack to support the strategy moving forward and as you say companies are unwilling to to make those kind of investments what should talent acquisition leaders do in this position how can they move forward how can they achieve their objectives how can they how can they kind of unlock that investment that they might need yeah, it's a, it's a very good question. I think that's literally the million dollar question or you hit the nail on the head. And personally, I don't think it's, uh, impossible or, or, or in that way harder. You have to just approach the problem from another angle, right? If you originally have alignment with, with, we need to invest in talent acquisition and you come up with a business case or you come up with a plan. The, ba- the basic alignment that, that, that you need to invest is there, it's easier to get your budget. But now, again, in a, in, a, in a market where the will to invest is lower, you need to find, okay, but where is the will of the C-suite? What are they open to instead of now just focusing on investment? And I think um, the will to transform and change your organization uh, in the broader sense of the word, this is where the focus lies of the C-suite. How do we navigate... Uh, uh, post-COVID? How do we change our marketing approach? How do we change our production? How do we change how we approach working with people in one place or not or remote, etc.? So there is a lot of will to change, but I think we as TA leaders need to, for the first time, think, okay, how do we build the business case 
around this will for transfer transformation and how do we uh, uh, formulate our, our 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 yeah how do you say that our, our our business case towards them so that we need to transform right now in order to achieve our goals and kind of move away from that investment so and how you move away from that initial investment so we need to make clear what the savings are or what the business outcomes are of uh, 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 that we need to transform right now if that makes sense yeah that absolutely makes sense i mean talk us through the process that someone might go through to get that kind of data or to get that kind of justification that they can they can put in that business case yeah that's a that's a very good one and and i think for the first time we need to uh, uh really focus on 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 uh exposing that 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 those savings to say it like that right so we need to convince the let's say the cfo of the uh, of the c-suite so it's it's you need to connect what you want to change and where you want to invest in so uh, 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 you need to connect that to that will to transform as i just said right so i think it's important to take a look at your entire ta function in the broadest sense of the word and go find where you can um uh, find those savings and i think we identify three areas because we have, of course we have more than four thousand people using our platform or four thousand organizations using our platform and um we've seen a lot of different business cases and uh, motivations and and reasons why people have changed so we kind of summarized that and wanted to give that back to the industry and say look these are all the different points that you can take a look at to uh, find your story to build your business case around. And I think the main three areas are uh, take a look at your tech stack, of course, uh, to uh, sourcing. And the third one is around people and efficiency, how you do your work. And if you look, for example, at uh, technology, if you zoom in there, there are three main things you can take a look at. And I think that's all around consolidation, um, so what systems can you consolidate into one? And I think you have to take a look here at the total cost of ownership because usually they say, okay, you have a central ATS, but you have a job advertising tool, you have a referral system, you have a CRM, you maybe have a third-party AI or scheduling tool. And it's not only that you have to add all those costs together, um, but there could be hidden costs that you can take a look at in the IT department or the HR IT department how much does it actually cost to keep all these integrations running and how to main, how do we maintain this and what happens if an update is there? So it's, it's for the first time as TA function, we need to look broader and also at the, the, the cost that we create outside of our own scope, uh, to see where we can, where we can find those savings. So it's not specifically only in consolidating to one system because, uh, uh it's more efficient, but what are the hidden costs? So you need to think more as a, financial person uh, uh, to approach these problems, as an example. You kind of mentioned sort of two other aspects there. I think it was sourcing and people and processes. Can you sort of dive deeper into into those two as well? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and sourcing um, is, is, a, is, a, is, is a really big spend for TA, right? You spend a lot of money in here. And it's good to take a look uh, at this because the market has changed. And what you... And, and it's look to see how can we differently invest in sourcing, right? And I think, again, here, there are a few areas we can take a look at. First, I would say advertising. Usually the classic one on post and pray, that doesn't work that much anymore, right? And if we just look how we buy 
uh, exposure at different, different job boards and job slots or credits, whatever we do, right? But that, that is more post and spray. And I think those times are really, really over. And I think it's really interesting to see how can you not just drive volume, right? So put your money in a, in a, in a pay-per-click engine and just focus on getting that volume in because just getting a thousand resumes is a problem in itself, right? So how are you going to work through that? How are you going to get uh, uh, the best candidates out of that? How do you make sure you don't miss anything? So I think it's important to see, okay, how can we better uh, invest our uh, advertising budget using uh, uh, job posting automation and AI there to make sure that we invest the money only in the places where we need it and maybe even drive down the number of applications but increase the quality. So find the relationship if you can better target your audience, you have a better application to interview ratio, which again could potentially save money. And another one is sourcing, I think agencies, again, speaking to that, um, um, how do you say that? Will to transform, right? I think it's a great time as talent acquisition to finally step up uh, and rise to the occasion and, 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 and claim the ownership of this budget if you haven't yet within your organization. You are the, the, the TA leader, and agencies are really high cost in, in, in attracting the right talent. And you want to manage those costs for the organization and make sure that we spend it in the right place and we actually save money for the organization. And here it, it can always help to take a look at the entire fiscal year. So don't do it from the point forward now. Take a look at the entire fiscal year, compare it to last year, see where maybe it's already going down due to COVID. But how are you going to make sure what where do you want to invest in that it doesn't go up back to the old levels or maybe that you even want to save more and for some organizations literally this one can already drive uh, the entire foundation for a business case we had a customer i think it was Collier's in the uk that um, saved uh, uh, saved almost over 80 percent of the agency cost in the first year going to smart recruiters so there is a lot of money here which you can uh, uh, can play around it with building your business case. And I think there's a third one even, direct sourcing. And that one is, a, is an interesting one because I think it's a very, very expensive model, uh, especially in the way that we historically leverage direct sourcing, right? Direct sourcing, we went from inbound recruitment to, oh, we need to get out there, get everyone a LinkedIn recruiter seat, and we need to start sourcing for our open jobs. but I think we're using this wrong, right? I think we need to skip the word direct because um, uh, uh, sources should source talent for the organization and not just focus on filling the open jobs of today because you create so much waste. Because what happens, actually, direct sourcing just for open jobs is the modern version of the 80s call centers. You're literally going to find the data scientists, you find 100, and you send them all individually a message. Are you calling? You want to work for us? You want to work for us? You want to work for us? It's a super inefficient way to, 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 to find people. And what usually happens is that we are not naturally as good in building talent communities. So we create that waste, what I mentioned, in the way that if a role is filled, we kind of destroy or throw away all those relationships and initial contacts that we have created for the most part. So if we need a new role in six months or we need a junior or we need someone else, uh, we just start over. And we might have already talked to that 
junior person. We might have already talked to somebody who wasn't a fit today because he or she wasn't interested, but maybe in six months it is. So we need to move away from direct sourcing and really focus more around building talent communities around the organization and build a strategy around that talent communities become the number one source because you will decrease the lead time between the job going live and the first interview because you already have this pool of people you can talk to. Well, fast, uh, increasing the speed and hopefully also increasing the, the, the quality because people already kind of know something about your organization and the role. So these are a few areas where you can definitely go into in, um, in um, how do you say that? Uh, finding potential savings for for your business case. You've kind of already mentioned um, some things there that sort of touch on the people and process side of things, but could you sort of talk a little bit more about that as well? Yeah, the people part is also interesting. And there's a lot of in uh, process optimization, I guess. Um, um, and I think you have to look at where does the biggest waste or time consumption take place within uh, within the recruitment process. So, for example, in the resume uh, screening, this could be a very interesting one to take a look at because um, how do you actually do that and how much time are you uh, as an organization going through resumes to find the best ones? And a good good thing here could be to leverage AI to help you go through this. And one of the resistance that people have against AI is that AI could be biased. Um, but personally, I think you should take a middle way approach. So you would say AI should help you prioritize and not AI should solely take the decision on who you're going to invite or for an interview. But if I have a uh, hundred resumes on a roll that I need to go through this morning, why, why should I not leverage AI and then letting me sort this row of candidates and say, let's take a look at the tw- these 20 first because there is a higher probability you're going to find the right candidate here. So, and if that on the uh, company-wide scale for all recruiters for every role can save so much minutes per resume and minutes per, uh, per, per finding the right candidates for, for a role. And, and I think there's also a good thing about AI is we all know in our industry, if you, we've done some tests, right? The articles are, are known to all of us, sending exactly the same resume and then one with the name Paul uh, or Matt above it and the other one with Mohammed. Matt, you're going to get four times the callback uh, over Mohammed. An AI doesn't know your name or doesn't understand your name. So it's, it's, it's in using and leveraging AI. Yes, of course, there are things that you need to think about, but you need to utilize it what it does best and neutral selection and, and, and giving me a suggestion where to begin can be super powerful and a super powerful time saver. And I think there is another one around, uh, uh, how do you say that? Recruiter productivity, right? Are if, if, what a talent acquisition suite should do is get everyone in the system and work from there. Because if one part of the uh, candidate information is being shared with your business through email, for example, somebody needs to administer that back into the ATS. Recruiters need to follow up. Hiring managers don't come back on with, with, with feedback. Feedback is given manually or whatever it is. You create so much uh, waste and administrative work there. So, a talent acquisition suite should bring everyone together into the system and eliminate this waste so everyone can directly communicate better with each other. Not to even mention if anything candidate-related is going outside of your system, you're, it's, it's a huge breach in GDPR. You're not, you're not compliant. 
because you can't delete that data if, if it's somewhere in an email, if a candidate is rejected or requests to be rejected. So there's another reason um, from a willingness to transform. It's, it's, a, it's a risk you're, 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 if, if you don't have everything in one system. So everything around making those processes more efficient, and then you can even think about automated uh, interview scheduling, self-scheduling, mass self-scheduling, um, because those things can save so much time. And if you can find a time saving of 15% on a monthly basis over all your recruiters, you can you can convert that to cost saving. One of the interesting things for me this year is the, the, the much tighter relationship that's developed between candidate experience and employer brand and really for many organizations their their candidate experience at the moment is their employer brand they can't show off like nice offices they can't have a candidate meet lots of people face to face so so really the the quality of the candidate experience is is the employer brand and then at the same at the same time there's a reputation thing so companies are getting huge amounts of applications and if they're not if they don't have the the right experience to deal with that it potentially does reputational damage to the company at a very very difficult, very difficult time. What's your view on that? And how might that tie into the the business case that we're talking about? Uh, I think I even want to raise you one. Um, as you said, it might affect <laughs> the brand. I think it does damage the brand if you don't uh, handle your uh, rejections properly. And I think this is in the art of numbers. Uh, we are usually TA leaders and we're chief recruitment and hiring. But if you look at the sheer numbers, we are chief rejection because we only hire 1%, even sometimes less than 1% of the applicants on an annual basis. So what you're actually doing is rejecting 99% of people that voluntarily took the time to have an interest in you, voluntarily have applied and saying, hey, I like you, I want to work with you. And you're rejected. And I don't think we need to talk about that it might have a have a correlation with, with, with how you perceive a brand or negatively impact your 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 your, your customer brand where you work so hard for. I know one hundred percent as a fact that is. And we need to we need to realize that 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 connection is there, right? So giving, making sure that in your uh, uh, candidate experience, the way that you handle your rejected people, it's uh, it's it's super important. And also in the in terms of building that that business case, I would tie it back into uh, one that 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 connection to the consumer brand. Because ask yourself. If you have a perception of one brand and you have a negative application uh, experience there, does do you have two separate views of that organization or just the one? You just have one view of an organization. It's not like, oh, I really love this brand. I'm a super fan, uh, uh, but they treated me like they sh- shouldn't treat anybody else during the application process, but I still love them. You know it doesn't work like that. So it's super important to keep those those connected and mention this in your business case to make sure that you can deliver everyone a great candidate experience. And uh, uh, and, and and I think in terms of uh, uh, cost, I think it's super important to make sure that you uh, build it up in your business case around the uh, around the experience and the effect on the on the employer brand. That's definitely right. As a final question, we're at a point in time of significant 
change. And it's it's very clear that talent acquisition is going to look very different moving forward. What are your thoughts on the future? What do you think talent acquisition is, is going to be like in, in, say, two or three years' time? That's a really good question. I think we are... Personally, I think we are on the verge of an uh, of our next paradigm shift, because for me, first we were the, the recruitment department, and then we changed to talent acquisition, and because we said we are becoming strategic. But for me personally, talent acquisition is still about acquiring talent, but we just approach that in a process way more strategic. Uh, but we did not make the complete step up yet in becoming that strategic partner of the business. We are not always able to connect what we do as a talent acquisition department to business outcomes. And I think this is where uh, uh, the corona crisis, uh, the the global pandemic uh, uh, helped us rethink where we are and what what is our added value to the organization. And I think we are in the next few years going on a journey in becoming that strategic partner of of the C-suite. And we also need to learn what that actually means. And one of the biggest examples here is how do you measure your own success? If you still measure time to hire and cost per hire, please stop because it's just a race to the bottom. It doesn't have to do anything how good you are able to uh, deliver the right talent on time and against the right quality. You need to uh, measure your own success around, do I li- deliver the right talent on time when the business needs it? And are we able to uh, deliver the right quality? And in terms of how much money we spend there, please approach talent acquisition as you would sales and marketing. See it as an investment. We're not a cost center. You need to approach us as sales and marketing and see it as, a, uh, as an investment. We invest X amount of money to attract these people. And is this in balance in terms of how we are able to deliver it on time against the right quality? So I think we are on the, on, on the verge of finally taking the first steps in becoming that strategic partner of, uh, uh, of, of leadership. And in some organizations, you see it already happening where TA, because the TA should have a direct line with the CEO. I, I, I is one of the first questions I always ask with, with customers. How, how, how often and how, and what structure do you speak to the CEO? And if the TEA leader does not speak on a at least bi-weekly basis, one-on-one with the CEO, you still are at the beginning of this journey. And uh, uh, this is where you need to go. We will become one of the most impactful departments of an organization or they will be successful or not. So I think really, really, really exciting times to be in TA. Tony, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you too for having me. My thanks to Tony. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search through all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.